Hey, welcome Valley family. Uh, we are really uh, winding down a series we've been in uh, for a few weeks called uh, The New Normal. This is actually message number six. Uh, the finale is going to be next week, and I uh, hope you'll join us again for that because it kind of is in line with what we've been talking about, this new normal, uh, o- over the last few weeks. Um, and, and before I jump into the message today, boy, I, I want to give a big shout out to all of our microsites. We have about 20 microsites, uh, and just think about that now, Valley Christian Church in, in over 20 different locations. I'm not talking about uh, people viewing the online campus on your own, welcome as well, but, but joining together, Valley people joining together uh, for an online campus experience and, and service, sharing that together in our microsites. Big shout out to, to our leaders that have opened up their homes. And, and of course, if you want to be a part of a microsite, we still have some limited availability. Uh, and, and what we've heard just over this past week, incredible feedback uh, about how different, how great an experience it was for those uh, 100 or so last week uh, that joined our microsites. And it's just a great way that we can give a better Valley experience Uh, during this time when there's still incredible limitations that are put on us uh, as a church as a response to or in response to uh, the coronavirus uh, quarantine. But uh, over the last two weeks in this series, it's kind of been a micro series, I guess you'd put it that way, in this series about the new normal, uh, we've been talking about a number of current events dealing with racism and prejudice. Uh, And if you haven't heard the previous two messages, I really encourage you to go back Uh, starting with the message called Leave It Behind on May 31st, when we just talked about prejudice and favoritism in general, uh, applying to any type of people group, any any type of group uh, that kind of has an us versus them mindset. And we made the point that that's a worldly mindset that's really anti-God, anti-Christ, when we, we like those that are like us, and as a result, we, we don't like, we don't associate, we distance from those that are not like us. And, and, and Jesus came to show us a better way uh, to break down the wall of hostility between the in-group and the out-group and any way that we divide ourselves like that. So that was May 31st, the message uh, leave it behind. And, and then we, we talked about last week uh, about racism in particular. We looked at the Good Samaritan, and, uh, and then we had a great interview with Pastor Karen and Pastor Stephen, their perspective uh, on not only what happened uh, with, with George Floyd, but also in the aftermath of that. And we're still in very much uh, you know, feeling the aftermath of that, and, and things are changing. There's a new normal uh, that's coming, no question about that. And, and today I want to talk about peacekeepers, and we're going to have in just a moment a great interview with a couple of law enforcement officers that are in our church. I think it's going to be invaluable uh, just to hear from their hearts because, again, as we talked about on May the 31st, this is not a different side of the coin. This is not a different perspective and opposing opinion. That's, again, all of that is worldly, carnal, anti-Christ, anti-God. That's the world system, us versus them. But as we talked about two weeks ago, there's a third option. There's a third option, and that is God's perspective. And you know what? I don't really care so much about what each side of the story, differing opinions, I care the most. I think you do too. We should. What does God say? What does God say? And we looked at 
when Joshua in the Old Testament met the uh, captain of the hosts of Israel, the army of the Lord, and he said, are you for us or them? And, and the answer was, no. There's a third option. I, I'm not for that opinion or the opposing opinion. I'm representing God. In fact, we learned it, it was actually God that he was speaking to. It was Jesus. And, and so that whole idea, and, and I want to talk about peace keepers, which are different than peacemakers. Next week, we're going to talk about peacemakers. Uh, peacekeepers are law enforcement and government. Peacemakers, that's supposed to be every follower of Jesus Christ. Law enforcement and government just keep the peace, but they can't make the peace. And I think many of us have put false expectations on law enforcement and government wanting them to make the peace. But Jesus said his followers are supposed to be the peacemakers, not government, not law enforcement or military. And so we're going to look at that next week. And as we're talking about peacekeepers today, you know, uh, a couple of things just really stand out that I think it's important. You know, most uh, police departments, their motto is to protect and to serve. And the reality is policing is, is really, really risky business. Uh, since 2010, not counting 2020 at all, but just since 2010, there have been 1,678 police officers killed in the line of duty. 1,678 police officers. Uh, that averages to about 170 police officers every single year that are killed in the line of duty. And by the way, that's, significant, that's double of what it was the previous two decades, the 1980s to uh, all the way through 2010. It, those numbers have doubled since 2010 on an annual basis. And there's only, in terms of law enforcement, 685,000 full-time police officers in our nation. Only 685,000 full-time police officers, 1,678 of them have been killed in the line of duty in just the last 10 years. And so it's, it's risky business that, that literally every time a police officer, and we have so many in our church, uh, and, and corrections and uh, uh, law enforcement, all different kinds. Every time a police officer leaves his home or, or her home, you know, they're married, kiss their spouse, children, uh, their family's not sure if they're going to be returning that night. That is a very real, that is very much a reality for all those that are committed to protect and serve based on these statistics based on these statistics that, that we see year after year repeated. And, and the reality is that, that God gives us instruction as Christians on our relationship with, with police and with uh, governmental authority as well. There are three things that God established uh, we find in Scripture, first of all, and these were God's ideas, not man. God created, first of all, his family. Uh, that's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 through 25. And then Genesis chapter 9, verse 1 through 17, God established government. God's idea. That was his idea. And then third, God established the church in Acts chapter 2. And so there's a lot in Scripture about how as followers of Christ, believers, we're supposed to respond to and relate to government. Uh, you see this uh, in Titus chapter 3, verse 1 through 2, Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, Exodus chapter 22, verse 28, just a few of these just spitting out. 
uh, right here. Uh, we look at Jesus. When Jesus stood before Pilate, he, Jesus was arrested. He was falsely accused. And we see there even how Jesus related to Pilate, even in the middle of false accusations. Jesus gives an example. Also, the Apostle Paul, he was arrested several times. We see examples in Scripture of how we're supposed to respond to government and law enforcement all throughout Scripture. And so I want to look at probably the clearest single passage that has to do with government and law enforcement in Scriptures. And it's in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 7. And before we, I, I start unpacking this, uh, uh, let me just give you a little bit of background about what's happening here in Rome because it's pretty amazing when you think of the context that, that God is speaking by his Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. He's writing to believers, he's writing to Christians in the Roman Empire, a tyrannical, uh, bloodthirsty empire that, that persecuted Christianity. And Paul writes to, by the Holy Spirit, to believers in Christ and says, this is how you're supposed to respond to even tyrannical government. And at this point, when he wrote the, the uh, epistle, it wasn't full-blown the persecution just yet, but it was about to get really, really awful. And God is preparing his people for persecution and gives instruction for us that we can follow today. Um, and in the midst of, of all this persecution, Paul says that, you know what, it, it's actually possible for Christians to still be loyal to the emperor, to honor God in, in, in a way that puts God first, and to live at peace. In fact, shortly after the writing of the book of Romans, Caesar at the time, he demanded, it became law, that if you were going to buy or sell anything in the marketplace in cities, you had to first take incense. They'd have it right there at the, at the front of the kind of open market. You had to take incense, throw it into the, the burning fire, and you were required by law to say, Caesar is God. Caesar is God. And if you didn't, not only were you not allowed to buy anything or sell any goods, you were taken away to prison. And it's into this situation God speaks. And he gives us four biblical truths about government. And, and, and I hope you'll go ahead and open up your Valley app, because I'm going to go through this real quick. But, but we have some, again, some additional notes at the end of the app for future study with all kinds of scripture references as well. Because this, this, this topic of a Christian's perspective, God's perspective on government and law enforcement, police, is really, really important. And the Bible says so much about it. And I think for many of us as Christians, we're taking our cues from the culture and not from the Bible. And so the first thing that we learn in Romans chapter 13 is this. Government is created by God, and he is sovereign over it. He's sovereign over it. Let's look at what the Bible says. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. Let everyone, now remember the context, everyone, slave, free, rich, poor, male, female, Jew, Gentile. That's the context of all this. All kinds of divisions. And the Bible says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. He's talking about the Roman Empire. That's the primary application. And then to us. 
Listen to this now. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. It doesn't say that they're perfect. It doesn't say that they're even godly. But God gives government authority because he created government. Consequently, watch this, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. The institution of government, God created it. And those who do so, watch this now, will bring judgment on themselves. It's crazy. This is the Bible. It goes on and says, For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? It's pretty interesting. Is a, do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? It, it doesn't say dismantle authority. It doesn't say get rid of it. Then do what's right. Do what's right, and you'll be commended. And, and so, first point is so important. Government is created by God, and He is sovereign over it. Doesn't mean it's perfect. Doesn't even mean it's righteous. Doesn't mean it's godly, but, but God is sovereign over it, and he created government. And then the second thing I think is so important is this. Government exists for two reasons. Now, a lot of us have all kinds of expectations on government that are really false expectations. There's two reasons why government exists. First, to do good, to do good. And then the second is this, to restrain evil, not to eliminate evil. Listen. No one is ever going to eliminate evil. No government is ever going to eliminate evil. You, you can't do it because evil comes from the heart and laws do not change people's hearts. The only one who's ever going to eliminate evil is Jesus Christ when he returns again. And, and so government is to restrain evil. And what does that mean? Keep it under control or within limits. That's what it means to restrain evil. So government was created by God, and he's sovereign over it. Government exists for two reasons, uh, to do good, to rest, uh, restrain evil. And then the third one, government officials are servants of God for good. Government officials are servants for God for good. They're, they're serving God. Look at what it says, next verse, verse 4. For the one who is in authority is God's servant for your good. Again, protection, uh, protect and serve so many times. The motto of police officers. Don't mean, we're not saying they're perfect. We'll get to that. How do you respond to imperfect authority? But, but the Bible says they're God's servant for good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. And this is why. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. God has given authority to government and government to law enforcement, military, to bear the sword. And it's really clear what that bearing of the sword is. And it's punishment. They are God's servants. Agents of wrath to bring punishment on wrongdoers. And I was talking with a police officer recently, and they actually said, you know, I said, when did you want to become a police officer? And... Uh, it was actually in our lunchtime lift, uh, Danielle, uh, our Officer uh, Kessler, and, uh, and she said she felt, and I love this, she said she felt called to be a police officer when she was 10. She's just as much called to be a police officer as I am called to be a pastor. 
It's called because you know why? They're God's servants. God's servants. This is the Bible. Check it out. I'm not making this up. They're agents of wrath that bring punishment on the wrongdoer. But it doesn't end there. It goes on and says, therefore, it's necessary to submit to those authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. And, And so what God's saying here to you and me is like, we don't want to submit to authority just because we don't want to get in trouble. We want to submit to authority because we understand God's delegated authority and we want God's blessing on our life by really having the right heart and his mindset. That third option, not us versus them, but God, how do you view these things? And, and that we put ourselves in a place of really that it's not because obedience, but we want to do what's right. It's not because we're afraid, so we're going to obey, but we want to do what's right because we want to please God even greater than those that are in authority. And then, finally, number four, government deserves our submission and our respect. It's a clear teaching of Scripture. Look, Look at the next verse, verse five. Therefore, it is necessary... It's not optional. It's necessary to submit to authorities, to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, that's real, but also as a matter of conscience. There it is again, because authorities God-given, God-ordained, and when I'm pushing and fighting against authority, I'm pushing and fighting against what God has ordained. Doesn't mean it's perfect, doesn't mean it's right. This is also why you pay taxes for the authorities are God's servants who give their, uh, uh, give their full time to governing. And it goes on and says, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then give honor. And, and you know, the reality is, we know that no one is perfect, right? We, we, we know that no parents are perfect, but it's important for a child to submit to their parents when they're a child. And it, it goes well for kids when they do that, even though their parents are not perfect. We, we know that no teachers are perfect, but it goes better for a student when they submit to the authority of a teacher. We know pastors are not perfect, priests are not perfect, but it, it does go better when someone submits to that authority unless they're asking them to do something that contradicts God's word that would be dangerous, that, that would be hurtful. And so we see this all throughout Scripture. We see this all throughout our life. We submit to imperfect authority all the time. But for many of us, I'm afraid as followers of Christ, yes, we can do it to a parent. Yes, we can do it to a teacher. Yes, we can do it to a coach. We know they're not perfect, but when it comes to law enforcement, we kind of expect them to We have a different standard. And so the reality is this. We do need to respect. We do need to honor And if I could sum up this teaching in Romans chapter 13, it would be this. You can submit to imperfect authority. 
you and I can submit to it. If, if you're a parent and you ever expect your child to do what you say, you're asking them to submit to imperfect authority. If, if you're a coach, you're a teacher, and you've actually asked a student or a player, this is what you need to do, I'm telling you this is what you need to do, you're asking them to submit to imperfect authority. We do it all the time. And this needs to also include when it comes to government and law enforcement. Not because they're perfect, but because it's God who's established it. And so again, this is not to look at some other side of the story, some other opinion. This is, God, what do you say about this circumstance? God, what do you say about prejudice and racism? There is no place for any type of favoritism, any of it, between brothers and sisters in Christ, for sure. But we're supposed to work to eliminate it completely in our community. And part of that is also when it comes to law enforcement and government. And so I think for, for many, we need to adapt God's perspective. This is what God says. And, and again, a lot of additional notes we put in there for you so you can look further. Study. I am just like, just looking at the tiny, tiny tip of the iceberg what God says on this subject. But I think it's really, really important. And so we need to speak out when injustice prevails but we can't throw out the whole basket of fruit because one piece of fruit is bad. And what you're about to see is, is just, just a sample of a couple of incredible, incredible man and woman that are in law enforcement that love Jesus, that he's first in their life. They're not perfect, but he's first in their life. And, and that's why we can't stereotype any group that's, that's why we can't show favoritism to any group over another. As soon as we do that, we eliminate someone else. And so I just hope right now that you'll just, just hear the heart of these two officers. And let's just open our hearts up to God. Have I been following your clear directions in Scripture with what I've been saying, what I've been feeling? what I've been posting because I think God's calling us all up higher to the new normal to really be the people of God that he created you and I to be to be salt and light in a dark world that's getting darker and darker every day let me pray right now Heavenly Father Lord, we thank you that, that your word re really does reveal our hearts so many times. And Father, we just ask you, search me. <laughs> search my heart, God. See if there's anything in our heart, Lord, that, is, that, that, that does not rightly reflect your word. And for today here in Romans 13, for some of us, I think we, we, we never understood but God, I just pray you search our hearts and that we would become more like Jesus, that we would leave behind, Lord, thoughts that we had in the past, and we would step into the new normal and become more like Jesus Christ today than we were yesterday. 
and that we would reflect his character and his true nature. That's our prayer, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome uh, once again to this really important uh, I guess you'd say series of messages that, that we're in. Uh, last week, we talk, we're talking about uh, racial uh, unity and, and racism, prejudice, and I had the opportunity of interviewing Pastor Karen and Pastor Stephen, kind of getting their perspective on current events uh, and, and what's going on right now in our country. And, and now I'm, I'm really thrilled to, to have uh, two police officers join me in response, uh, or, or just a follow-up really, not in response, uh, to, to the message about peacekeepers. And, uh, you, you know, as I mentioned in the sermon, uh, this is not an opposing opinion or a different side. This is really for the purpose of, of really just how much we have in common. As, as brothers and sisters in Christ and talking about uh, what we can do. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about being peacemakers. Jesus said we're supposed to, as followers, be peacemakers. They're peacekeepers as, as officers of the law. As followers of Christ, we're supposed to be the peacemakers, not, not law enforcement. That's Christians, you and I. So that's active. That's not a passive thing. And that's going to be the last message in this series. But uh, Dave Zapone and, and Danielle Kessler, uh, thank you for joining me uh, so much. Uh, Dave, if I remember right, you've been a police officer for 11 years. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um... And I just want to thank you for uh, having us and uh, sure. um, having us both up, you know, up here uh, mm-hmm. to share. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you could make it. And Danielle, you've been a police officer for six years. Is, is that correct? That's correct. Six okay. years. And, and so uh, a good bit of experience right here uh, on the stage. They both serve uh, in, in New York here. And uh, we, we just appreciate your service. Uh, no question about that. And couple questions. Uh, maybe Dave, go to you first. Danielle and I had the opportunity to do the lunchtime lift, but uh, right now, kind of in the current climate and all, what, what does it feel like, you know, being a police officer right now? Has something drastically changed in terms of what you're experiencing uh, day in and, and day out on the job, or everything's just pretty normal? Um, I can only speak based off my own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that... Um, that there is a, um, a, a perception out there and it does put us on, on guard a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can't, you know, deny that. But uh, day in, day out, it's just regular things yeah. uh, that we keep doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we keep serving the public. We keep doing our jobs and we do um, um, stuff that a lot of people don't even know that police officers do. Yeah. Could you... I, I think that's a, a great point. Uh, maybe I've seen too many cop shows in my day, you know, which I know are not real. I, I've talked to, uh, didn't bring it up with you guys, but I've talked to some law enforcement people before, and they're like, no, that hasn't, that's, that's just not even an average day. What's an average day for you, Dave, on the job? I think people would be pretty surprised. Um, well, I have, um, I have a story. I mean, uh, um, I remember one day during the winter, uh, and just so people know, um, in my in in my specific job, we are uh, for the most part every officer is a certified EMT, so we do handle medical calls. As um, um, so, responding to a medical call one 
one winter and uh, there's a blizzard going on and I'm trying to find a house, uh, could barely see. I, I get there, I knock on the door, it's an elderly person and um, they're like bedridden and the only thing I, I can think of after making sure he was right was how's the stretcher gonna get in here with all the snow? Well, I, I saw a shovel on the side and probably 10 minutes or 15 before the, the ambulance actually arrived, um, I was out there shoveling his driveway, <laughs> making a path for him um, and um, so that he can get the services he needs uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, from us. And uh, that's something I took upon myself. I don't even know if he even noticed mm -hmm. that I did that. Mm -hmm. um, but stuff like that is, uh, is things that we, um, that the majority of police do on a, on, on a day to day basis, you yeah. know, and uh, what you see on the media and what you see in movies is, is the exception. Yeah. I, think. I, I don't know that any cop show I've seen, they shoveled the drive, you <laughs> no, know, the, no, the walkway no. there. It's not exciting enough. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Daniel, how about you on an average day? What does it look like on the job for you? First off, I would agree with Dave just saying that things are not as they seem as far as the current climate and events. Um, police officers are on edge mm -hmm. and are reminded, you know, to be on edge sometimes because of social media and perceptions and things like that. But a regular day is still a regular um, day. But with that being said, it's unpredictable as mm -hmm. well. Um, but just speaking on personal experiences and, and more recent um, days for me, I've been able to connect with individuals in my community, one individual in particular that is uh, struggling with some addiction issues and is also a believer and a follower of Christ and mm -hmm. that that person has been a individual that I've been able to kind of bond with and have mm -hmm. a little bit of a relation there as far as our, our love for Christ. So even in recent days, I have spent time with that person praying and just getting to know them. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, you know, our jobs are, are unpredictable and sure. a regular day, so to speak could consist of just a plethora of different types of calls for service that are in a way appear random, unrelated to one another. And just kind of like the, the going from one to the next is, is just part of what is regular for us, mm -hmm. but is very unique. I think, you know, the public as a whole doesn't handle those kind yeah. of situations or deal with that normally. Um, so going from you know a, a serious call where maybe somebody was injured in a car accident or was injured at the hands of another person, maybe somebody that they care about, family, mm -hmm. and then going to a call within minutes um, of a neighbor annoyed that their neighbor's enjoying some music on a sunny day and it's you know the middle of the afternoon <laughs> and that person is so angry um, and music's you too know, loud. <laughs> you know you need to help me and this is yeah. what I need from you and. Um, police officers have the responsibility of handling that call the same mm -hmm. as the other call because everybody has different needs and mm -hmm. the public doesn't know what we were just dealing with or who we were just helping. Right. And they, for the most part, are just thinking about themselves and their needs and what's going on with them. And right. as police officers, it can't be a personal thing right. um, because that's just how it is. But mm -hmm. the public doesn't know that. Mm -hmm. Maybe if they did know or understood better, like they would have maybe some more patience with us. Yeah, I would guess there's also a mountain of paperwork. No. 
lot of paperwork. Yeah, no, nobody. Yeah. Uh, even when you when you first get into law enforcement, I think Dave would probably agree with me that you uh, you are really excited about the the really small percentage of time that mm -hmm. you actually spend doing things that are you know what uh, what people would say is like exciting mm -hmm. or you know like the adrenaline side right. those kind of things. A lot of it is paperwork and remembering how to write good paragraphs and sentences and mm -hmm. spelling um yeah things like that mm -hmm. you know that you you fall, if you don't keep doing you kind of fall out of practice of yeah so I, yeah. I don't see a lot of that on the police shows either uh there uh, at all and i thought you know dave one thing he said was pretty key there uh that that your particular department is also trained ent uh and, but that is because of funding really quite honestly that, that you're able to be trained a, as well like that and that's not the case i know danielle necessarily for you and where you work out right. of uh, or even for a majority uh, of of police officers so there's a lot of there's a lot of comments now about cutting funding and things like that to the police uh and and uh it's, it's not like there's a whole lot of <laughs> funding just laying around right now uh, for some of those things that I think the public would see, you know, serve and protect, uh, that, uh, boy, that's a real great thing, uh, you know, to have that type of training available uh, as well. So, Daniel, uh, next question, um, you, you know, how, 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 can, how can healing begin? in your opinion, as an officer uh, in our community. Um, you know, a lot of tension. Uh, I think we probably are all aware that there are some that their motivation is not to bring healing, that that's not what's motivating. And of course, that's what we see the most on, on news or, or social media. But what practically in your opinion, from your perspective, can be done to begin to really bring healing that, that, as we'll talk about next week, as peacemakers, followers of Jesus, that we can do. What, what would you recommend there? I would recommend police officers and the community having more opportunity to be together, to have discussions, such as the discussion that we're having here and mm -hmm. the continued discussion in an environment where it's conducive to honesty um, and speaking freely and without judgment or the pressures of some social beliefs or things that are being portrayed mm -hmm. right now. Um, a lot of community outreach that I have participated in and witnessed um, in my time as a law enforcement officer, I've seen how helpful this is and I would just say that there needs to be more, mm. that it needs to be an active thing, that it's not something that can just be done once and then a problem is fixed, but just like having that active relationship with police officers in the community and just encouraging people to get to know us because yeah. we want to get to know people. Mm -hmm. I know I. I'm sure I can speak for both of us, but at least for myself, I can say that I, I love speaking with people when I'm working and mm -hmm. getting to know people in the community and having that connection is a great way to start the healing because when you break things down to a level where it's just two human beings talking, whether you have the same opinions or not, to be able to just have respect for one another 
and just a understanding that nobody wants any pain, any further trauma mm -hmm. to be occurring in the community and and within police officers and um, towards police officers. So just like being honest with each other, knowing mm -hmm. that that we are here to talk, yeah. that we do care about you mm -hmm. and having those opportunities to explain that in the yeah. community and just being proactive. That's great. Is really important. Yeah. Dave, what would you add to that in, in terms of practically how some real healing can begin to take place in the community? Um, I think it all starts with um, conversation, opening up uh, a, a means of dialogue. Um, I know that and um, there's a lot of counties out there, especially the, uh, the police departments or the counties that run the, the police academy. Uh, they do have um, citizen academies that um, you can sign up for, they're free, mm -hmm. and it gives you an opportunity not only to open practical dialogue with a police officer, but you, you get a glimpse of the training that, that takes place. Oh, wow. They actually put you in the shoes of the officer and even go through scenarios, and you can say, hey, um, uh, why is, does this have to be handled this way? Mm -hmm. And it opens up an actual practical um, dialogue where you could get some, um, some questions answered, mm -hmm. but it also puts things in perspective uh, for, uh, for the public as well as for uh, the police officers because they want that dialogue. That is the reason that they, they even do these programs. Yeah. Well, you know, Father's Day is coming up. Cancel my gift, Susie. I want to go to Citizens <laughs> Academy. That's pretty, or maybe cancel vacation. That sounds pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Uh, you, you know, actually, I mean, and I say cool, but but I'm sure the insight and experience there, and that it's free and it's offered, uh, would really be invaluable. Uh, you, you know, just to that that more comprehensive understanding. Uh, I think we're beginning to get a glimpse of it you know, for many of us, just even in this conversation. Yeah. Uh, that's why I think it's so important that we do talk because, you know, uh, we're very intentional in terms of this week and last week. Th this is Valley family. You guys are part of our Valley family. You know, we're worshiping together, but a lot of times you don't necessarily know perspective or even what people do for a living and, and all that. And uh, that's why I think it's so important, these conversations to have. And so now I... I uh, I told you I was going to ask you this ahead of time, uh, and, and so I wanted to put you on the spot because I think it'd be really invaluable, again, uh, and helpful to hear. So just imagine, uh, Dave, that, that you're on the street corner, you're, you're on the sidewalk there in Minneapolis when, uh, when all that's happening, just horrible uh, to George Floyd, uh, and, and you're in uniform. Uh, what do you do if you're there? Um, I have watched the, um, the video and uh, I've had conversations with my colleagues or, uh, um, and other police officers and we all come to the same conclusion and that man did not need to die on that street. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that there is no way that police officers watching the video or, or giving their opinion on what to do. It's all, it's all, we all agree on one thing and it's, we would all uh, intervene 
at, mm -hmm. at, at some level, especially when um, things didn't have to go as far as they did. Mm -hmm. uh, we are not trained like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think it's very important to say that uh, what that officer did does not represent all officers because none of who I work with or who I've worked with in the past would let that happen mm -hmm. uh, on the street there. Yeah, well, thank you for your, your honesty there. Danielle, uh, same thing, just uh, you, you're, on the, you're right there on the sidewalk in, in uniform. What, how do you respond to that situation? Yeah, and I've, I've spent some time thinking about this as well. Um, I had an opportunity as well to, re you know, to watch that video and, um, you know, watch George Floyd's life pass mm -hmm. and it's uh it's a diff it's a difficult thing because when i uh when i watched uh pastor steven speak last week and he described just the image of seeing the officer's hands in his pocket mm -hmm. and just that that image was uh was really impactful for me and, and traumatic to mm -hmm. to see because it was just like a disconnect um, toward another human being. Mm -hmm. And um, same as Dave said, any officers that I've discussed this with, that I know, um, everybody's in agreement that it should have never happened. Um, how could have happened? Just disbelief, anger, speaking from a personal perspective, mm -hmm. that uh, I was really upset and I kept thinking to myself, like, just the anger was coming from a lot of places, but for, for me as a police officer, I was angry because it's not what I know police officers, and, and, and I am close with a lot of police officers, and I sure. love police officers, and I love my job, and I love people, and we mm. are here to protect life, and it's just not a representation of us. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, um, but if yeah, if, if I was uh, if I was there, um, absolutely would intervene. Absolutely would do everything I could to prevent mm -hmm. what happened from happening. Yeah. Just there's no, yeah. You know, the across the board, police officers are all in agreement of that. Mm -hmm. At least I can speak of. And and I appreciate you both sharing that because I think uh, it is one thing to imagine <laughs> what the answer might be. It's another to hear it, you know, in all honesty. And, and so I really appreciate that. I know that was a tough question, but um, really do appreciate you sharing your hearts. You know, I, I'm reminded as we're, we're talking about peacekeepers, that's what you guys are as, as law enforcement. Uh, you know, Jesus made a incredible statement uh, that just blows me away that I think you know, it's not in the sermon, but I think it's worth pondering. And, and that is in, when the Roman centurion came to him, uh, he wasn't Jewish, he was in the army. He's a military guy, which is military is a form of really law enforcement, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, and he said, my servant's sick. And Jesus said, well, I'll go. And, and the Roman centurion says, this is Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 13. No, you just say the word because he, he goes, I'm a man under authority and in authority. You just say the word and my servant will be healed. And, and Jesus makes this statement about 
a Roman soldier, and he's and and Peter, John, all the disciples are all around. Leaders in Judaism are all around. And Jesus says, this is crazy. I have not found anyone in all of Israel with so great a faith as this one. Because he said, I'm under authority and I'm in authority. He got it. And, and, uh, and Jesus says, go, your servant's healed. And, and I think as Christians, that's something we miss. I mean, here's a guy, he's like, I'm under authority, and I'm in authority. And Jesus is like, you understand. And can I put it this way? Jesus' miraculous power was available to him because he was submitted to authority, and he also understood the authority that had been given to him, delegated to him. And, uh, you, you know, we, we talked about it in, in the sermon that, you, you know, you, you, if, if you have one spoiled piece of fruit, you don't throw out the whole basket. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And, and uh, I, I just want to thank you guys so much uh, for coming in, in what, just like last week, is not an easy context, but just being honest and, and real. And we do thank you for your service. Uh, thank you. And, uh, you, you know, we, we, we pray that, uh, you, you know, this is going to help spark other conversations as well um you know that get past the awkwardness that that we can it's not another side of the story it's not the other side of the coin it's not a different opinion or perspective that there's that third option that that we as the people of god we can demonstrate what the world really is looking for right now i think it's a great opportunity so before i close in prayer anything either one of you would like to to add Go ahead, give Dave the mic. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, it's important to have these dialogues, and um, uh, especially as a Christian, um, mm -hmm. we have to understand that uh, authority has been placed by God, and that uh, just how that Roman centurion understood it, mm -hmm. it's um, something that we also need to understand. Um, and I think that's has helped me in my in my career because ultimately I do have um, I have authority mm -hmm. uh, but I'm also under authority and I'm also under the authority at, uh, in the kingdom of heaven I, I have right. a, I have to answer to to God mm -hmm. you know and that's where um, what flows out of my heart is is that so yeah. you know like the bible says above all else guard your heart because the rest of your life is going to flow from it yeah that is so true and yeah. um i think we as christians have to be part of the conversation mm. but we also need to be careful how we word things or how we handle ourselves because mm -hmm. uh uh not only is that are we going to have to answer for that one day, but it's also what shows um, uh, to everybody else uh, the fruits of the Holy Spirit that we have. Absolutely. Yep. Danielle, anything you'd like to add? That was pretty good. I don't <laughs> um, just to kind of go back just real quick to the, the practicality mm -hmm. um, and ways to 
to help repair mm -hmm. or improve relations with between police officers and the communities that they serve. Yeah. Just another thing that I was thinking of about ways to empower the community mm -hmm. is with knowledge, right? And just encouraging the public to be active in understanding and learning mm -hmm. uh, the law and the different guidelines of wherever you may live. And when you understand things and mm -hmm. you know what they are, you, you can feel better about them. I think you can understand better why police officers do what they do or cannot mm. do what they cannot do. Right. You know, sometimes the public has expectations that they, they, that we can snap our fingers with every, you know, problem or, or situation that they're in and it's just, it's just fixed. Mm. But police um, also have guidelines and also have uh, policies and things that we have to adhere to. Mm -hmm. And there are areas that we could use the community's backing to actually make real change. Yeah. So, you know, just to encourage people in general, you know, learn things, be knowledgeable, don't just make your decisions based on public opinion or things that you hear online mm -hmm. or you see in a post or a meme yeah. um, in mm -hmm. regards to police officers or, you know, a headline or something. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, arm yourselves with knowledge and yeah. that's just a recommendation for everybody, police mm -hmm. officers and included, you know, yeah. learning about the communities. Just wanted to add that. You know, I'm reminded, uh, obviously we talked a little bit in my office before coming out, you know, just to uh, kind of let this conversation be a spillover from that one. But uh, I, I was reminded, Danielle, of something that you said that, that I thought for someone who's not in law enforcement, it kind of rung in my ears is like, wow, I've never thought of it that way. And that's why this conversation is so important. When I'd asked you in the office about what would you do on the sidewalk, you know, uh, if you're watching what happened to George Floyd, and, and you made a comment, and, and maybe you can just speak to it for a minute, and you said, you know, once he had the handcuffs on or zip tie, whatever it was, he's under your care. And, and see, I, to me, that, not that I didn't think about that, but just uh, that as law enforcement, he's under my care. And uh, could you just speak to that for a little bit? Because that, to me, is not something that I would have imagined is something that is the way that a law enforcement officer would think of. Yeah, thank mm -hmm. you. Um, just looking at things from a perspective where we take out emotions, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of what's um, being portrayed right now and just a lot of the division between people or the the reasonings why people are f different people feel different ways has to do with emotions mm. but it doesn't matter when it comes to my responsibility as a police officer there are so many different scenarios and things that can happen mm -hmm. with a person and we are people and we we have the same emotions as everybody else we're not robots, right? Mm -hmm. So there can be a situation where you're, you're dealing with somebody, somebody in the public that you have to put under arrest that was, was attacking you or attacking another person mm -hmm. or is, you know, maybe um, under the influence of 
of drugs or, mm -hmm. or something, has a mental illness, different things that affect their behavior. But at the end of the day, when that person is in custody, mm -hmm. um, whatever happened, their care is now in your hands and their health and their well-being is in your hands. It does not matter if they are under arrest for a heinous crime or not. Right. But that's being said from an outside perspective. I can only, you know, like we can, it's kind of like speaking about something you weren't involved in. So mm -hmm. I can't, you know, speak to, to the details of certain events, but I think we can all agree that regardless of that, uh, what happened with George Floyd prior mm -hmm. to those minutes, several minutes that passed and, um, and he, he was killed, mm. that he was in custody. And at that point, his health and his life had to take priority. And that's, right. that's our responsibility as police officers. Yeah. And that was just uh, uh, helpful to me to hear. I, uh, not that I ever thought police officers were like uncaring, but, but just that there's actually that thought process. He's, this, this person now is under my care, under my charge. And, and, uh, that was just real helpful. So I appreciate you uh, <laughs> kind of circle, you know, answering that again, you know, for, for everyone's sake. And so uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, again, just appreciate it. And, and, and I do think part of the healing process is not only the conversation, but as we talked about, uh, if you don't have a friend, a relation, growing relationship with someone who's in law enforcement, I just encourage it. It's going to help you. It's going to really benefit your life uh, because, uh, again, the flesh and blood, uh, you know, the face, uh, the name, the relationship, you know, uh, that's what really makes uh, a big difference. Even as, uh, as we were about to record here, Dave's trying to work out some stuff for his daughter, you, you know, he's dad, you know, uh, and, and it just, and, and now instead of, you know, a TV show or whatever being one dimensional, now you're three dimensional people and, uh, you know, uh, so I just want to close in prayer right now, okay? Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this conversation. Lord, we just pray it's been helpful, uh, helpful to gain understanding, Lord, and, and really also helpful for us as Christians to recognize there's a third option. It's not us versus them, Lord. We don't want to be stuck in a world system, world mindset of us versus them, uh, but, Lord, that there's a third option, and that's your your kingdom come, your will be done. And, and really reflecting who you really are in every circumstance and situation. And so God, we just feel that, that as a Valley family, you're calling us higher. You're calling us to, to greater step of faith and being under authority. And Lord, recognizing the authority that you've given to us. Thank you for peacekeepers. And Lord, even now, I just pray your Holy Spirit would stir our hearts as a church family in greater ways Lord, to even become the peacemakers in our community, starting with our families and then in our community as well. And Lord, we want to just continue to move as you're moving and follow your instructions and your guidance of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs>